Hi, everybody. It's Mike Morse, and you know where you're at. You are watching Open Mic. We're back in our studio, having fun. So happy to be here, not stuck at home. Today, we have Annie Henderson on the show. Annie is an author, podcaster, and coming out coach, helping families with a loved one in the LBGTQ community. September was Suicide Prevention Month, and October is LBGTQ History Month. She is a lesbian that grew up in a small Texas town as a tomboy, played sports, dated, and she was not even interested in men. But she married at 19, had a daughter before divorcing seven years later and then coming out. Her first relationship post-marriage was toxic and even worse than her marriage. Eventually, she met her soulmate at age 30 and learned to find happiness. She uses her, her experiences to help others in the coming out process. She is a certified life coach, and suicide is a major problem for young people in the LGBG, I'm sorry, LBGQT community, and studies show that many of them can be prevented with open and honest, loving communication. She also specializes in helping children, parents, and families get past the negative talk, the negative self-talk in daily struggles and become their best self. She has over 15 years of working with students, young adults, couples, and those transitioning into college or into a new career. She's passionate about helping others. And as you can see by that intro, you now know why I wanted her on open mic. You never know who you're going to see. Be one guy one-on-one -on -one my whole career. What you're going to hear. You got a lot of desperate people in the city. Or what they've got to say. When you can take people inside of a crime. That's what you're going to hear on my podcast, Open Mic. Find it where you find your podcasts. Hello, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. And as I'm looking at my notes, I might have called you Amy the second time, but I apologize. <laughs> I know your name is Annie. And You got uh, it. You got it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So where are you physically located right now? I am in North Texas. Oh, how are things up in North Texas? Things are good. You know, Texas, it opened, yeah. it opened pretty fast. Right. Texas, you, <laughs> you guys don't believe in COVID up there. Is that true? Is oh, that, no, no, no. I do. We're not getting yeah. political. We're not getting political. <laughs> I was just making a Texas joke. My step, my, fun, my right. favorite people, my stepdad's from Dallas, so <laughs> I love Texas. And I love we we all Texas. have our space, yeah. It's and I and I'm in a smaller town north of Dallas, so it's you know we're pretty spread out. It's okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so I've never had a I've never had a, a coach like you on this show, and I'm excited to have you. Um, you know, you help kids and families as a life coach. How did you get into that particular business, and and what makes somebody good at being a life coach? Ah, that's a great question, Mike. So originally, uh, I got my bachelor's degree in psychology. So back when I was in, in undergrad, and then I got into education, I got my first master's degree in elementary education. And worked with kids and families in, in that way. And then I just kept going back to school. So I went back for my master's in uh, school counseling and my master's in professional counseling and became a LPC. So a licensed professional counselor and started seeing clients and couples struggling with infidelity, um, teens and anxiety. And just, uh, I, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, but I did eventually 
take um, take a detour. I didn't necessarily <laughs> prefer all the meetings. I wasn't doing as much counseling as I was other stuff in, in like the school system. And there were a lot of things you could do for your clients and you couldn't do. So I just recently, just uh, early 2019, started getting into life coaching. And it, I noticed with my clients, they started having faster shifts. Mm. So where with counseling, a lot of times you'll go in and you'll talk about your past and trauma and things that had gone on. And sometimes clients can get stuck kind of talking in a circle for, and be in that same position for, for years. That doesn't always happen. Right. And if you are needing medication or if you are needing a diagnosis, then that's where you want to go. A psychiatrist, a psychologist, a counselor. But I enjoy helping people and parents um, make those tiny shifts. So as a life coach, focusing on the present and the future. Um, and um, I'm also an EFT practitioner. So I don't know if you know what that is. What's but that? It's, What's that for? <laughs> it stands that? for emotional freedom technique. Um, and it involves uh, tapping on certain parts of your, of your body, of your face. And what it does is it soothes the, the amygdala, your nervous system and allows you to release. So if you think Mike, that a lot of people hold stress in their shoulders, right? A lot of people with hurt. Yes. Um, it's just a way to, um, talk about what's going on and how it feels physically, mentally, emotionally, and it's a way to release it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's one session. So wow. whether it's my aunt had neck surgery, um, it might be purely emotional. It might be purely physical. Um, but it's a cool way to get really fast shifts with my clients and, and, they all love it. They, I know they, they're always a little skeptical at first <laughs> and well, then they're like, yeah. Oh, that's impressive. Well, first of all, it's gotta be hard to do on zoom. You know what? <laughs> it's perfectly easy to do on zoom. Come on. Well, do it to me right now. Right. How are you going to do it? Oh, right now. No, you don't. It'll take to. up a I, big chunk of the time. All right, we'll do it. We'll do Mike, it next bring time. me back. Bring all me right, back next I'll time. Back. I'll totally help you. So I understand. I mean, so is it more of a, I mean, this is a, a an actual physical treatment that, is not like a, like a Reiki or a, or something that with an energy healing, this is actual physical touching and it is. you're saying, you're saying it's, it, it releases emotions or it releases thoughts mm-hmm. or it starts a good conversation. Yeah. All, yeah. All of that, all of that. So, um, my latest example is a, actually another coach. She had some, uh, hip, she had hip surgery and when they went in with the camera on the front, they created some nerve damage. So instead of, you know, 12 weeks, she had planned to do a run and she scheduled it. Um, two and a half years later, she still has pain on an eight to nine out of 10 scale and was, you know, she's over in Liverpool. So Texas to Liverpool, yeah, <laughs> we're able to do this just like this. And um in just maybe 30 minutes where she spent thousands of dollars and she drove four hours just to go to Scotland to get a specific treatment that would kind of knock her out for four days. Uh, we did about 30 to 40 minutes and got her from uh, about a seven and a half to a four. And she wow. was starting to have some sensation back 
in parts of her hip that she hadn't had in those two and a half years. So it's fascinating. Yes. So yes. your information will be in our show notes, but you're <laughs> saying that this is for not just emotional stuff. It's for physical pain. Right. And of course she, yeah. So it was, you know, it was largely physical and it was something that normally she would have never brought up to a life coach, right? Because it just, oh, it's just physical. But if you think about it, if you've had something, some constant pain for two and a half years, you're definitely going to have a lot of feelings and thoughts and emotions and hopelessness, right? Uh, She felt damaged. A lot of big, heavy feelings um, that are kind of tied up into that. And she was able to feel relief after 45 yeah. minutes. Really, uh, really fascinating. It is. It's amazing. So you are you also specialize in the LBGTQ community as a coming out coach. And I've never heard that term, a ah. coming out coach. I obviously can understand what that is, but take me through that process. I mean, you're saying that people, kids, adults who are trying to come out to their friends and family and coworkers. They just don't know how they find you and you kind of coach them through it. <laughs> right. That- <laughs> there's no shoving out of the closet. Well, <laughs> so there's, a, there's a right, there's a right time for everybody. And some people are fine coming out with to a few people and maybe not all these other people. And I, you know, I had the same, I wasn't like I had to call up and have a face to face with everyone I knew. I was able to come out to the people that I knew um, that I wanted to come out to that were important to me. And it was, it looked different ways. And right now, especially people my age and older, there's just a lot of fear and people pleasing. So I do a lot of videos on my Facebook about people pleasing because that's kind of what got me into getting married at 19. Um, I had originally wanted to go away to college and um, my later on husband was like, no, like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a good idea. And I was like, okay, (laughs) okay. You want to get married? Okay. Oh boy. So I was just. You're 19 from Texas. Right. So now with my 14 year old, I'm like, your brain doesn't stop developing until you're in your late twenties. Just, just hold off. Have some scarlet time, enjoy life, figure it out. There's no rush. (laughs) So, so you got divorced. You have a daughter. How old's your daughter now? She's 14 now, but we divorced when she was one. So interesting. Does she know your whole history now? She does. She Mom does. used to be straight. Now she's gay. And, you know, uh, so that's debatable. That's debatable. I definitely had it shoved down as far as possible, but in terms in her, of in her mind, you mean, I don't know in terms of it being a choice. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. So I was, I was made this way. Um, but in terms you of were never straight, hold on, let me just, you were never straight. Right. That's what you're saying. I mean, I, I, I was my, I probably asked a bad question. Um, <laughs> you just, you didn't, you didn't. I just, I didn't, didn't know. I was a people pleaser. I did what I saw around me. I didn't, I'm from a tiny town. So, Not you know, many gay people in your high school. The, there was one person that was out and it was funny. Cause looking back now, there's like a, a bunch once they got to out of the small town in Sherman where, you know, at the time, you know, there's, let's see, I was, I graduated in 1999. So 
around that time and before, lots of homophobia, lots of, sure. especially small towns, lots of churches saying you're going to go to hell. Um, yeah. But, but Annie, did you, I, I might have missed this. I mean, when you were in high school, did you have an inkling? Did you think about, <laughs> hey, am I gay here or what's going I on? I didn't. So, <laughs> you know, at, at, at some point when I was younger, because I just played I played sports nonstop and there was no girl team. So I was always playing on the guys' teams. Oh, I was okay. like the pitcher on my little league all-star team. That was wow. just what I did. So at some point I was like, maybe, <laughs> I don't know what's, I'm a little different. I just think I'm different. But from like eighth grade on, there was always a boy ask like, hey, you want to you wanna go out on a date? And I would just say, okay. So there was not even, <laughs> there was no room for exploration. There was, I was always with some. Where were the girls? Guy. Why did the girls ask you out? <laughs> I was probably because I was always dating a boy. Right. <laughs> Interesting. So, so growing up in Texas, I mean, I mean, probably growing up anywhere. I don't think it's just a Texas thing, but it was probably really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, because yeah, if you, you, you know, you hear all these horror stories of people being disowned by their family, being kicked out of their church or sent to conversion therapy. Um, and is like you said, it is still legal it's... in many, many states. Wow. Isn't that it's so tragic? Now you didn't go through that. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Well, I stayed securely in the closet until I was in my late 20s. So there wasn't even a chance of that. But right now we see a lot of kids that are starting to come out of the closet younger because they're seeing representation in the media. They're feeling accepted and loved. And, but their parents, a lot of parents still have their mindset that we grew up with of they're like, they're going to go to hell. Right. That's what we were taught. And that's how we grew up. Um, but I, I, um, and a lot of, a lot of them have shifted out of that, but um, it's just such a fear. Like I have clients that are in their sixties and seventies that are still in the closet. Wow. I know, I know. So it's, it's so sad because, you know, there could be a different kind of relationship there. Um, and they've never people, some people in their lives have never known who they really are. Yeah. It does feel like it's though moving earlier and earlier. You hear stories of kids coming out earlier and it's like, it feels, and I could be in a, Town, I don't know, but it feels easier and more accepting today than it probably was in, in the early two thousands in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels it in my town. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I don't know. And I, I, so, so tell me about that process in your twenties, just getting divorced, have a child, have to come out to your friends and family that, Oh, by the way, you know, this is what's <laughs> happening. How, I mean, how hard was that? What was the process like? So I was uh, still growing as a person myself back then, right? I was still technically a people pleaser. And then I was in a toxic relationship um, and still a people pleaser, right? I was still staying in that relationship with her and trying to make it work. And um, in terms of coming out, I, my mom, for example, my mom was like, why, like, why are you getting a divorce? Because on the outside, everything looked perfect. We didn't fight. We got along. I could get along with anyone <laughs> forever if I needed to. So it like, you know, it really makes me think of all the parents that stay in it until the kids 
graduate, right? Stay in it for the kids. And then by that time they've wasted away and they're bitter and resentful. And, um, what I tell my clients and what I had to tell myself was, do I want to role model this? Like, would I want this for my own daughter to just stay in a marriage that is just, she's, she's faking it. She's pretending it's not really who she is. Um, and that's, that's a no, usually all my clients, that's an easy answer of, right. no, I wouldn't want that for them. No. You'd want them to be honest and come out and, and have a loving life, loving yes. relationships. Yes. And I, uh, I'll be honest. I didn't now I've, I can come out face to face with anybody, but at the time, like my mom got some snail mail that I knew would take a while to get there. And then, um, she, she came along pretty quickly. Um, but you know, I think it was maybe a week or two of, of, of no talking. Um, and then the people that I knew that would support me, I would, I would text them right away. So like my brother, my aunt, um, certain friends. Uh, and then, um, I, I was worried about my grandma. Um, she passed away this year. She was 99. Um, but I'm on year nine with my partner, Sam. So we've been together for nine years. So I just started taking her along to family functions and just, I'll let everyone, the rest of everybody just figure it out. They'll figure it out. That's um, funny. and Sam, it was funny cause you know, she would get hugs from grandma and, uh, you know how sometimes the older generation will like pass out money on like Christmas. Sam started getting uh, like oh, some money too. It was great. so, it was just so sweet. So she was just welcomed in by, you know, our 90 year old matriarch. So it's, it's beautiful. So she was supportive till the day she died. Yeah. She, and who knows? She might've thought we were special friends, but I, in my head, I'm like, I think she got it. I think she got it. That's awesome. Did you, did you lose any friends in the process? I didn't, not that I'm aware of. If I did, it wasn't someone (laughs) that I, that I even knew. Um, Go ahead. And I was just going to say as, you know, as some advice to anybody listening, when it comes to social media, that's your, your space. You don't have to be friends with everyone. Uh, especially now during the political climate, you can snooze people, you can block people. If someone is showing up in your Facebook feed and they are draining you, if they don't bring you joy, then you can unfriend them. I do that every day. Yes, it's, I, it I, is I, necessary. I do that every day, Absolutely. <laughs> especially in this political climate. Yeah, yeah. And but you don't even have to tell them. The same thing I told my little um, elementary students, um, when I was the counselor for them, I'm like, you don't have to tell people I'm not your friend anymore. (laughs) You can just stop hanging out with them so much. And eventually, right. right, It'll die off. Same thing. Stop having conversations. You don't have to battle back and have this debate. If it's a one-sided tennis game, it's going to be over pretty fast. So if somebody's listening, watching this and they know they're gay and they're in the closet and they're afraid to come out, Take us through some of the things that you would say to that person to make the process a little smoother, a little easier. Yeah. So one thing I hear from some of my clients, whether it's um, someone that's in the closet 
uh, or about to come out or freshly out <laughs> like like I've where I've been or um, I've had clients where it's the the parent of the child. Either way, uh, they've told me that I kind of give them hope like, OK, I see where you are. You've been through all that, but you're happy, you're thriving. So first of all, just hope. Um, it can be great, right? There's different stories. Some are, are sad stories and some are amazing. Um, and a lot of times it's who, who are you surrounding yourself with? If this person is um, feeling this one way where they're, um, maybe they're extra critical or maybe uh, they're, they're being hateful. Is that someone that you want to bring along with you? So sometimes there's some grief work to do, right? As you let go of old stuff, even if it's a divorce. So even for me, that was hard. And there was some grieving to do because I had, you know, seven years into the marriage and Scarlet and we built a house and all of this stuff, right? Lots of memories. So giving yourself permission to, to grieve, right? And not necessarily feel like the victim or the bad guy. And just knowing that there is something to look forward to. But I can't just stay stuck in fear because um, as one of my clients, we talked about she was pre-grieving, she was worried about talking to her parents. So it was like the grandparents and they were already grieving the loss as if they were going to disown them. Mm. So once she got that, you know what, I'm grieving something that hasn't even happened. Um, I don't know who this quotes from, but it's worry is a misuse of the imagination. That's basically so many people's problem, not just LGBTQ, but like almost everyone has that where, gosh, I'm creating all of these horrible worst case scenarios and it might not even happen. That's, that's a good quote. And it's really interesting. And, you know, I was reading an article recently that suicide rates are really high in the LBGTQ community. Um, does this come up in your coaching and, and, and are you, have you had any experience with this? Uh, so I just interviewed someone today and, she, uh, she, was uh, born uh, a man, a male, and she's transitioning. And she was seconds away from taking her life uh, because there was that lack of support. Um, after she got a divorce, you know, there was loneliness. The the Her parents w- weren't accepting and just there was a lack of hope. So... The people that I've been working with aren't in a state uh, where they're having that suicidal ideation. And if that's happening, then I encourage, you know, talking to a crisis center, um, maybe even going to a psychiatrist somewhere where they can help as well, but also finding community. So I started a online group with my church because a lot of LGBTQ plus have been burned by their church right? They've been burned by Christians, Christians that think they're helping. (laughs) They think they're like, ah, but instead they're like pushing people away from God. So um, in my tiny town, I lucked out and we were able to finally find some pastors. So the church I go to um, 
First Methodist, uh, my pastors are affirming. And so what it does is we created a private group on Facebook for LGBT and allies. That way it's not just a bubble of LGBT where we feel like we're alone, but all also allies in our community and around. Actually, we have some people internationally that are in the group that are supporting and embracing and just feel like their support. So if you don't have friends or you don't have family and you need some of that support still, then anyone can join. Come and find us. Facebook roof. It is LGBT and allies. So facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash LGBT and allies. Or if you find me and you can't remember, just message me and I'll point you in the right direction. Oh, they're going to find you. (laughs) I hope so. So, Annie, this is uh, October and it's LBGTQ month, history month. Um, And I'm curious, you know, we we touched on this, but how far do you think uh, we've come as a society and where do you see us going um, in this movement? Yeah. So I feel like we've come to, we've come, (laughs) I feel like we've come so far uh, there, but you know, if, if you ask me, I might say that. And if you ask someone maybe still in Mississippi or Alabama or in the Bible belt, or just happen to have a certain set of parents, they might still say like, it's, it's horrible depending on the situation. Um, Again, we don't really want to get into politics, but, you know, right now there's talk of um, taking away the whole marriage equality thing, which just blows my mind. Um, I didn't think there were take backs. Uh, so there, yes, have been great strides. Go Oreos. They have a wonderful commercial right now um, for, for their uh, for pride this, not pride, but this month. And, um, but there's still a long way to go. There's still, um, some protections that are needed. There's a lot of people that are scared right now with RGB, RGB, Ruth Bader (laughs) dying. Uh, I was trying to add TQ on the last end of her name. (laughs) I know the initials are getting, I get get confusing for me, but there's a lot lot to talk about in politics and, and, uh, which we're not going to do. And, you That's know, good. the Supreme Court. And I yes. like that. I didn't think there were take backs. Yeah. Um, and I hope there aren't. I hope I'm hoping that uh, COVID uh, stops the take backs and other things stop the take backs because I don't want to go backwards in this country. I don't right. think anybody I know wants to go backwards. Yeah. And um, so what other things are you doing besides your private coaching? I mean, is that is that your main focus right now? It is. It okay. is um, just just coaching. So, yeah, I do have the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I also just have um, coach women, okay. uh, women with that are struggling with people pleasing. A lot of that, um, whether it's maybe you're getting out of a relationship or you are um just looking at your next thing, you've always put maybe your family first. Uh, and now you're moving forward. I have a, another group called end mom guilt <laughs> on Facebook because a lot of times moms put ourselves last. I was just in a master, I'm in a mastermind and 10 brilliant women, very successful. I don't know if you've ever done the wheel of life, but you just kind of rank different areas of, in your life. But a big thing 
for all, most of them were in terms of fun and entertainment, it was low, meaning like they don't even know what fun looks like anymore, which for me, it was high <laughs> because I, I know how to take care of certain, certain things. So it's very important to make sure that while working on certain areas of our life, other areas just don't get depleted because that will definitely have an effect on us. Well, I know lots of people pleasers in my life. It seems like a lot of people these days are people pleasers. Yes. And uh, it sounds like a good thing to have support around that. And I, I'm going to have to send this episode to, I can think of at least five <laughs> people. What is, so what are your top tips for people pleasers? Oh my goodness. Okay. You know what? The first tip is to just be aware, right? If you can start catching yourself doing those things. So for example, one thing people pleasers do a lot of is they have, they struggle to say no. So like my example, I said yes to dating people. I said yes to not going away to college, to marriage, all sorts of things, staying in a toxic relationship. So just realizing, oh man, I, sh I now I regret that decision. I wish I wouldn't have said that. And giving yourself permission to say, you know what, I'm really working on this. Um, I'm going to have to to back out. I'm, I apologize for saying yes. I really meant no. And that's just something I'm working on. Um, something else is uh, avoiding conflict. Uh, there's an amazing book called, um, uh, oh gosh, Crucial Conversations. And they had some great research in the beginning of it where they just observed some relationships and then I think up to a 90% or so accuracy, they could say whether the relationship or the business would fail based on how the communication went. Oh. So learning how to communicate and express what you need um, is, is really powerful. So if you're like me and, you know, and there's certain things I still work on, right? If someone says, where do you want to go eat? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's up to it's you. Okay. You pick. Right. I'm good with anything. Let's go to the steakhouse, <laughs> even though you're a vegan. Oh, right. I'll find something. Yeah. All the potatoes. <laughs> I'll take that garnish. Yeah. So there's, there's always something to just kind of notice. Um, over apologizing is another big one. And that one will usually stand out to other people. Cause they'll be like, you already said, sorry, like 10 times in like this hour and what I'll challenge my, especially my friends with, or even my mom, I'll be like, oh, you can only say sorry one more time. <laughs> That's it. You're going to have to choose a different way to say it or, and there's so many great ways. I know I've posted some in my group, but, or in my personal page of, instead of saying sorry, like, sorry, I'm late. Thank you for your patience. There's ways to just think about how I'm going to word this a little differently because a lot of times we say sorry for stuff that either we don't need to be sorry for, right? Because we're yeah, apologizing for sure. and maybe it's, and that's one thing I was hugely aware of is I'm raising a daughter. I don't want her to be a people pleaser like I was. So that was a huge part of me learning and going, okay, what am I modeling for her? I don't, I don't want her to do this. I don't want her to do this. So let me, I have a question. Um, I have a, uh, I have a thing where I really, really don't like being late and That's I was late for thing. our podcast and I felt really <laughs> bad. And I actually cut my last podcast a few minutes short because 
I was raised, my dad would come pick me up. They were divorced and he'd be there 20 minutes early, beep it on that horn. And uh, so my whole life, I am not late. And if I'm late, I'm anxious. And is that people pleasing or not people pleasing? Is that just my own internal? That's a, that's an interesting one. Uh, So my partner is a financial advisor. And when she started, first started at Edward Jones, their thing was if you're, early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And I was like, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. So I've started trying to express that to, to Scarlett as well, but her dad's the opposite. He's like consistently late. So she's not a people pleaser. He doesn't care about you waiting for him. He's like, (laughs) Oh, they can wait. (laughs) Right. So is that people pleasing or not? Um, I don't think, I think that's just good. That's just how it should be. (laughs) And maybe, maybe that's I'm not a people pleaser. I don't know. <laughs> right. I, that's what I came up with is my is what I thought was people pleasing. I'm sure I have some. Um, well, a tinge of, of it, maybe. Maybe. Lots of good topics here, uh, Annie. So it sounds like you got a book uh, coming out in you. I just want to just throw that out there oh, after thank talking you. to you. you have a lot of interesting <laughs> topics, a lot of uh, good insight for people. Um, I'm going to, we're going to share all of your links. Um, everything we talked about, how they can get a hold of you if they need some coaching, if they need the the finger tapping. The tapping, yes. And uh, thanks for being on Open Mic. You're a really lovely individual. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. All right. Well, have a great day, and we hope to talk to you soon. All right, Mike, you too. Take care. Well, there you have it, Annie Henderson. Uh, If you're having pain, if you're having some difficulties in life and you need a good life coach, she seems like a fun one that you'd want to spend some time with, and I think she'd probably be able to get you on the right path. So thanks for watching. Subscribe. Share this episode with anybody you think could use it. Comment. Let us know who you'd like to see on Open Mic, and we'll see you next time.